0: Welcome to the FinFeed podcast. FinFeed brings you all the latest in market-moving ASX small-cap news, as well as interviews with innovative and groundbreaking company leaders and entrepreneurs. Joining us today is entrepreneurial royalty, two men who are widely renowned as being Australia's most prominent technology entrepreneurs. Serial entrepreneur Philip Weinman has founded many fast-growing companies and is a highly successful innovator, known for his track record of spotting a niche and disrupting industries with new products and services, change the sector and improve the way people live and work. Preston Keating was vice president for the publicly listed packaging company Landsberg Aurora, where he began as a sales representative and became one of the company's most successful brokers over his 18-year career. Both are co-founders of Packform, an un- online marketplace that empowers dealers to source the world's best products for their customers and which this month was awarded most innovative startup of the year. I've been looking forward to this conversation because the company has grown so quickly and there is a great entrepreneurial spirit behind it. I'd like to touch on that as well as the evolution during the burning issue of the day at the current pandemic. Philip, Preston, thanks for joining us today. Preston, let's start with the burning issue of the day, the pandemic. How has COVID-19 changed the technology startup landscape?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think COVID has been, it's been fantastic for startups. So at least in, in the packaging space where Packform is operating, it's taken down those pretty high barriers to entry in companies that had everything on having large warehouses, tons of inventory and, you know, all that good stuff in lieu of startups that can operate asset light and COVID's kind of geared everything towards that technology startups. So we can operate really nimbly and quickly in this kind of odd environment. So it's been, it's been fantastic for our business.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in general terms too, I mean I guess we're seeing a lot of startups in the health space, a lot of startups in the hospitality space and with Form as well. What do you see are the overarching trends and, and what should we look, what are we looking out for in terms of how, I guess, industries, whole industries
1: are being innovated? Yeah, I just think it's rewritten kind of the script of what you need to do. So especially for tech startups, everything is everything is wide open. So the rules are kind of being torn down, the rules of engagement, uh, how quickly you can grow, what you can do. And for tech startups, I feel like it's given a real, real spark to innovating new businesses and new ways to look at business and new ways that people deal with each other and, and interact and all that good stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Philip, what have you seen has been, I guess, the overarching trends over the last six months and that are, I guess, ideally suited to the way Platform operates and, 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 and how it has grown?
2: Well, I've got a very philosophical view on adversity. Usually, the most innovative disruptors do better in times of adversity because most people tend to go into a shell, cut costs, reduce overheads, whereas I've always worked, and I've been through quite a few recessions now, never anything like this, where we take the approach, now is the time to actually spend, build, grow, and support loyal staff. Just because we've been hit with this, you know, we've just dug into our reserves, and we haven't lost one person in the company. In fact, as you probably may or may not know, we've just run an advertisement for 102 new people to join the company. So when everyone says, but or I can't do something, we go, what an opportunity. And so what we've done is we've kept our staff totally motivated. Uh, they all know they're secure in their jobs. We haven't got Job Starter jobs, whatever. I don't even know because we didn't apply. We unfortunately are growing, so we can't get the benefit of the government grants. Mm. But what I will say is for us, we're innovating more than ever. We're building, we're more aggressive than we've ever been. And we've entered into a PPE market that wasn't on our agenda before. So now we're sourcing PPE products, you know, with the platform that we've got. We've got somewhere like, you know, I don't know, 80 or 90 suppliers all bidding to try to get in, whereas most people are struggling to find a supplier.
0: Yeah, that PPE market is, is now huge. huge. When, when, did, when did you guys see that that was going to be a market opportunity for you?
2: For me, it was the first time someone rang in March in L.A., to Preston and said, can you find me masks? Was it, ma- no, it was hand sanitizers. Oh what yeah. yeah. People were gouging the price on hand sanitizers. What was selling for $3, we're now selling for $17. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we were very innovative. And what we did is instead of buying, and you couldn't get these plungers or the bottles, what we did is we went and got seven gallon drums. We deposited them into a hospital and said, instead of trying to spend money finding the bottles, why don't you refill the bottles that you've already got with large drums? And so we were, A, doing something really well for the environment in that we didn't have to buy more bottles. But more importantly, from day one, we were able to supply companies and hospitals in need with large quantities that they could refill rather than waiting for a worldwide shortage of plungers for the bottle.
0: Yeah, yeah. And obviously, the uptake of that was... Pretty quick and and pretty broad.
2: Well, not really. Preston had to work, I think, in your garage, didn't you, Preston? In the beginning? How did it all start? I remember you were telling me you had your whole family in the garage filling bottles. I think Preston's frozen. Yeah, so he was literally filling bottles in his garage to try to fulfill the market. But then we worked out you couldn't get... The problem wasn't the sanitizer. The problem was you couldn't get the actual bottles. Right. So that's when we came up with the idea of just buying large drums and allowing people to fill them up themselves with their existing bottles.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: back on, Preston? Heck, I don't know what happened.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just turn off your video.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
2: Yeah, that might be easier. Yeah, sorry. So I hope that answers your question. We It was purely looking for opportunities, not just to do well, mm-hmm. but to find solutions. While everyone was trying to find bottles, we were just telling people to fill up their existing ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Preston Philip was just saying that you did a lot of the work in your garage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, whatever at the time, whatever it took. We were just getting just a complete influx of requests for things that we sold. Just a, you know, we sold some, but not tons. And then all of a sudden, overnight, no one could find it. And uh, like like Phil was saying, we became pretty innovative with the vehicle to get it there. And uh, and you know, caught some good good attention because of it. And we were doing the right thing and not price gouging, and it just did fantastic for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is that mentality, that philosophy to, I guess, help to talk, innovate at the same time and that entrepreneurial, I guess, spirit that the three founders have, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that shortly, that entrepreneurial spirit, is is that, I guess, the foundation of how you survived and thrived during this period?
2: Preston, I'd like you to answer that because you've worked for large corporate, whereas I've always been an entrepreneur. and. You know, I've always run family cultures. What did you notice was the difference in times of difficulty? I, I've never asked you.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, well, it, it's all about opportunity, right? So in, in the corporate structure, it's about trying to hedge risk and mitigate risk and do it the way that we've always done it because that's safe, right? And I'm used to that world. I spent 18 years inside of it, and it's frustrating because you can't can't innovate. Mm-hmm. And then as, and in, in the entrepreneurial world, it's completely opposite. Everything's an opportunity. So especially when COVID hit, an opportunity. Every every you know competitor of ours went into a business coma and wanted to come out when everything was fine and they could resume the way it's always been. And uh, we just saw a tremendous opportunity to grow our business. I guess if you had to describe what platforms philosophy is, its
0: business philosophy, its its life philosophy, what would you say that is?
2: One word: disrupt. Right. Disrupt yeah. archaic, old fashioned industries where you know people are reducing their incomes. They're being pressured by the cost of an infrastructure of large corporate, which just erodes people that are motivated. And all we wanted to do is reward those people who work very hard mm-hmm. to build their own business. And that's how we ended up setting up our dealership model, right. where we help people set up their own businesses with impact right. form.
0: Can you expand on that a little bit? How did that come about? How does oh, that work?
2: Well, Preston, maybe you'll explain. Why did you make the move? That's probably a better question. And why did you want to become a dealer versus... Working for a large corporate,
1: yeah, of course. Well, I mean, the dealership model evolved. With first was Phil and I developing a personal relationship, and then kind of talking through the industry and understanding where the pain points were and, and why it just hadn't evolved in a generation. And then, you know, for me, I was I was bored. I worked for a corporation that was, you know, going nowhere in my opinion. Didn't want to didn't want to evolve. So, you know, with the Phil and I's relationship just becoming friends, then I realized this is this is a fantastic opportunity for me to get out a tremendous risk. I was walking away from an enormous salary. I'd worked very hard to build up, but I was completely bored. So, you know, exited, started up Packform and, you know, I had tons of confidence in Philly as a great track record. And I know, you know, he's the best at what he does and it's been a fun ride. So, you know, especially in the beginning when it's a lot of sweat, a lot of sweat equity, it was extremely exciting. We're doing something that no one else is doing. Everyone else was going right and we're going left and, uh, you know, it's, it's paid off in huge amounts.
2: Yeah, so for me, the reason why dealerships came about is Preston's commission was being eroded every month with overheads costs that were eroding his commission. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Why don't you want to own your own business? I'll help you fund your own business because mm-hmm. really, most people are afraid to leave for fear that their paycheck isn't going to come. So we helped underwrite his paycheck, as we do with every dealer that wants to join. Mm-hmm. And all we did was we just said, "If you want to be in your own business." please come across you've got clients the clients that are with you will probably follow you which they do because the relationship generally is with the salesperson corporates that try to squash that relationship ends up realizing that sooner or later the customer is really working with an individual not necessarily a big corporation mm-hmm. so the dealership model came about today we've got so many different models within packform you can be a salaried person you can be your own business you can get a partial income and commission. Right. So really, it's a platform marketplace where people can choose how they want to make their living.
0: Okay. So I guess in, in you know, modern times, as we're all adapting to different ways of working, platform actually gives people the flexibility to work in the manner that they
2: would yeah. like to. Yeah. If you take Preston, for example, a typical, what was a typical day in your life versus what it is today? I think that's the best way to explain what it is and you could probably do better than any, Preston.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, in in my past life in in the corporate, if you could give 14 hours a day, the next the next year they'd want 15 hours a day. And my you know my day to day was largely admin when it was supposed to be sales driven and mostly delegating work to other people. So you're just delegating work to different departments and people and to handle functions of the business. And you know, essentially, I became like an email machine. And it was you know, like I said, it was it was boring. And so now. Fast forward to Peckform, everything. We've created this marketplace where everything flows through. It's easier. My email counts are down. I'm able to handle the work myself, but it takes a lot less time in my day. So I've gotten back a lot of my personal time. It's Been great too. And then on top of that, the business is thriving, doing amazing. And then add in, you know, exciting things like what we're doing today on podcast and and different things just growing the business has been phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah. So how did you two meet?
1: Yeah, yeah. Great story. We actually, so the the company I worked for, we met at a global conference that they were hosting. So I was one of 300 people there and Phil was one of the keynote speakers and he was talking about disruption. So it was, you know, sort of a three-day event, you know, a lot of motivational and rah, 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 and everybody patting each other on the back, which is fine. I've I've done enough of those in my career and it it seemed kind of like another one of the same. And then Phil got up and talked about disruption and what he does for a living. And that's where the light turned on for me. And I thought, okay, this is cool. But I haven't heard before. And if nothing else, I want, to, I want to develop a relationship with that guy and, and get to know him better. Okay,
2: cool, cool. And then it took a year. I was just, I was just talking to Preston about you know, how he invests his money, you know, what he does, how is he living, why is he working 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It was purely based around a mentor role. I wasn't getting paid. I, I, I wasn't, I, I'd been through the stage of charging lots of money to mentor key people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about the money. All I wanted to do was help him. I had a lot of respect for what he's done. And from there, it got to the point where I said, you know what, this is ridiculous. I used to be in packaging 40 years ago. It was my very first startup. Yeah. And I asked them questions. And what I found was nothing's changed in 40 years. Yeah. It's exactly the same industry. There were suppliers still with dot matrix printers, working pen and paper. The bigger ones are now on SAP. And of course, SAP has made them slower and you know more difficult to get things through. Mm-hmm. And... I just saw an opportunity and said, well, if nothing's changed for 40 years, I can easily fix that. And what we're going to do is we're going to build a marketplace where we'll cut out those big, fat, you know, overhead companies and replace them with a marketplace that allows a customer to deal directly with a manufacturer and cut out all the layers of warehousing and all the cost structures that brings the selling price down by going through Packform.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great model. It's it's obviously yeah. taken off. I want to sort of talk about, the, spoken about the two of you, but the, the, there's a third part of Peter Williams.
2: Yeah. There's he also a has an
0: impressive background. Can you tell tell me a little, tell, tell the listeners yeah, a little sure. bit about
2: Yeah, I've known Peter before he even started Deloitte Digital. I was a client of Deloitte. I'm still a client of Deloitte. Peter Williams was introduced to me by one of my board members, a gentleman called Peter Pagonis, who is specializes in family succession planning and how to break up family units when they get to second and third generation. And he introduced me to Peter, thought he's someone that is a disruptor within a large corporation. We hit it off in two minutes and Peter then came on our advisory board and while he was building Deloitte Digital, and then eventually I went to him with this idea and said, what do you think? He said, I'm, I'm all in. Mm. So even though he's not involved day to day, Peter's knowledge of, you know, he's a futurist and probably one of the best on the planet. I don't think there'd be many CEOs in Australia, certainly, that don't know who he is. And there's certainly not many startups in Australia that don't know who he is. Hmm. And we just hit it off. He wanted to be part of Packform. So we, you know, he took a shareholding in Packform. And it's only been in the last two months he's really started to get involved. Number one, he sees the value of the company. So obviously, he's seeing a really good investment here. Yep. But on top of that, he's also loving what we've built. And he's probably our best spokesperson because he's seen everything. He's probably seen every startup in either as a judge or as an advisor. And what he sees in Packform, as he'll tell you, he hasn't seen before. So yeah. he's just become a really good friend as well. And he's on the journey with me. And now Preston as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So looking at the three of you working together... What complementary skills do you have? How do you work in with each other? You know, what what are the strengths and weaknesses that you uh,
2: kind
0: of fulfill?
2: So in every partnership, you need the following. You need someone with high EQ, Mm -hmm. and that's Preston. He's far more emotionally intelligent than probably anyone I've ever dealt with. He takes advice better than anyone I've ever seen. He has zero ego. And he should have a big ego because when I went to America to meet some of the suppliers, their words to me is, you found a a once-in-a-generation human being, and that's Preston. I would consider myself a teacher now where Mm -hmm. I'm spending most of my day teaching people how to think outside the square. And whenever they bring a problem, the first thing I do is get excited with an opportunity. So I think I've taught even Preston that there isn't such a thing as no or but, there's and, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, Peter's absolutely. on a whole new, another level altogether. Peter started off as a consultant. He's probably one of the best visionaries I've ever met. We have absolute respect for each other. And I would say Peter and I really job share. I'm more hands-on than he is because I build companies for a living.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Peter doesn't, but he did with probably one of the biggest of all, Deloitte Digital. And now he's in that position where he doesn't have to, to run anything anymore. He's basically doing what he wants to do with who he wants to do. And he compliments me because he's a great sounding board. Having seen more startups than I've ever seen, Mm. he's a great sounding board to me personally. And so I would say the majority of our relationship is between Peter and I, and he's only now starting to get involved with other members of the company that need advice. Yes. First, certainly on the technology.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm interested, Preston, we talked a lot about advice and, and, and mentoring. What have been some of the lessons, I guess, in entrepreneurialism, innovation, disruption that you've taken out of this journey so far?
1: That's a great question. I mean, yeah. for me, it's realizing a world with no, no restrictions whatsoever. So in the entrepreneurial world, you can, you can literally do whatever, whatever you'd like. There's, there's, no, there's no boundaries. So mm-hmm. getting my kind of corporate trained brain to realize that every day is a white sheet and you can, you can color however you want has been really, really exciting and then just in really in the entrepreneurial world, the speed that everything evolves i mean we, we don't slow for a second cuz we want to get as quick as we can to the market for whatever particular part we're doing uh, it just operates in, in light speed compared to the compared to the corporate world and yeah. then the last part is is extreme loyalty so in the corporate world you don't get that at all everyone's loyal strictly to themselves mm-hmm. in the entrepreneurial world you're you're all in it together cuz you're going you're going the opposite of, of what everybody else is doing so that that's been refreshing
2: And to be fair, I think what Preston is, for me, what Preston's learned the most is that, you know, the word no just doesn't exist in an entrepreneurial culture. It's exciting to change the way things are done. And you have to remember Preston's come from 18 years in a corporation. Mm. So it didn't just start very easy. You know, we had a lot of tension in trying to explain to him ways of doing things. But, you know, when I look at him today and I think about, I mean, just the other day Preston wrote this note to me, which I've never received from anyone that's, ever being a partner, which was his, what did he call it Preston? The 10 things you've learned from myself and other entrepreneurs that you just never knew existed. Do you want to run through some, of, I mean, for me, that was an eye opener for me. I never realized that we do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was things like we talked about where there's just, there's no challenges, only opportunities, right? And the way, the way Phil builds businesses is you, you build the, if, if you're gonna build a car, you start by building a skateboard, and then you slowly add some handlebars, and then you slowly add some pedals, and you kind of build up and build up and build up. Whereas you know, before, I, I just trying to figure out how to, how to build a business. You want to start at the end game and work backwards and make it applicable. It just doesn't work. So I, w- I wanted to run through with Phil. You know, here's, I've taken away a lot. I'm, I'm an observer by nature, so I like to see how things work, figure out the process, and then I know how to repeat them after that. And this has been a phenomenal process.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I guess uh, it seems to me that that part of the success here has been your ability to actually work with each other Uh, rather than, you know, in silos or or whatever, as you would in a corporate environment, you actually look to be connected with each other.
2: Yeah. I mean, in our company, we have a unique, we don't use email impact form because email creates CC mail, which is to me banned. Uh, I don't believe in CC. You're either in or you're out. You don't need to be observed, or be an observer. So we tend to put people in their lanes and we let them go as fast as we've got the German system where you, there's no speed limit. You can sit in your lane and drive as fast as you like. We don't stop you. There's no fine for speeding in Germany, as you know. We run the way, that's how we run pack form. No one goes into another person's lane, right? Unless they're too slow and then they have to move over. And we run that way. So the entire business is run without email, but we do use some chat lines that we use effectively. So what that does, it stops these clutters of groups that tend to talk and not deliver. So in a, an environment like ours where there's no speed limit, people just can run at their own pace. If you can't keep up, you move into another lane. And that's what's happening at Packform today.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess part, part of the way that this is run, the philosophies we've talked about, I mean, generated over 17 million in revenue, accelerated the company's market position, and became a major game changer in that sector. I mean, we've talked a lot about about that sort of growth and what was behind that growth, but how has the sector changed and what further growth do you want to do you wanna see within the sector?
2: Yep. Well, I can start with this. We started off as a packaging marketplace. So you want to ask why would we start in packaging? It's probably the most complex of all industries. There are so many moving parts. You know, in our first year, we have six and a half thousand SKUs already that have been shipped because it was the most difficult one. And I wanted to start with the most difficult industry Mm -hmm. because if I could build a marketplace in a difficult, complex industry with both primary and secondary packaging, then we could move into any industry after that and have a marketplace with suppliers and customers connected. So we started off with packaging. We've proven our model. Mm-hmm. We now are employing, we've got at any point 40 or 50 applications for dealers. As you know, we've just moved into the UK on the PPE side because they've got a real problem with their PPE. So our model now is basically transparent. We've just got our first significant order in the dental market for face shields. Mm-hmm. And now we're going into selling all dental products, not just, PPE. So all we need to do to set up a marketplace is to find a vertical, set up some salespeople, set up some suppliers, put them together, and we now have a new new vertical. So for us, Packform is a true marketplace, but the other thing we're now going into is a lot of large corporations who run their own procurement, we're now able to put Packform in for their secondary packaging, where they and not just packaging all products from freight to anything where they don't normally have time to tender that. And what we do is we put that into a large corporate and we're working on a SaaS model for them. So in the case of Australia, I don't think we're going to bother with a dealer network. It's not a competitive marketplace in Australia. It's very, very closed with some key suppliers owning the market. Mm -hmm. So we think we're far better off just opening up a SaaS model for large corporates to buy through our platform and connect them to worldwide suppliers.
0: Yeah, yeah. How far along on the journey are you with that?
2: Oh, well, we have one major corporate in the UK that spends a billion dollars a year on packaging mm-hmm. that's looking to trial us on 300 million of okay. their low-hanging fruit packaging that doesn't require tenders.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> pretty big. Yeah,
2: <laughs> we're we're pretty excited and they're pretty yeah. excited with what they've seen as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. As part of this growth, as part of moving forward, winning those Stevie Awards, what does yeah. that mean for you? Does that vindicate what you've done? Does you
2: know, I'm not a big award person. I didn't actually know they put, the, put us oh. in. They did that last October when we were just starting. Right. And I didn't even know that they put it in. I would have waited till we had serious, serious mass because mm. that's usually, you know, as you know, and you can look at my background, we've won significant number of awards, fastest growing company awards. Yeah. But they did it, and we won it based on the fact that we are innovative and we built a great technology. That's how we won it. We didn't have sales then. Yeah, yeah. We just had great technology from day yeah. one. How do I feel about it? Yes, it vindicates an industry. That's, mm. And also, the Stevie Awards is probably the most prestigious awards you can win. Mm. So, for a startup, we're in again now on a few nominations for Employee of the Year, the Best Female Employee in our company we've just entered, We've got you know, quite a number of awards that we've now been asked to to go in by our accounting firm who think we're crazy not to go for them. But to me personally, awards are how happy people are in our company. That to me is my litmus test and what gets me out of bed every day.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, the the excitement of of building something and and, and being in an in an industry that can be disrupted.
2: Yeah, you know, what gets me out of bed is people saying we can't do what we want to do. They'll kill us. We're going to get destroyed by all the big guys. They'll put yeah. us out of business. You know, I've heard that my whole life. Yeah. They quickly find that goes from them being the aggressor to us being aggressive and them trying to work out what we're going to do next. That's what I love the most.
0: Yeah, yeah. You and know, Preston. we don't worry
2: about anyone else. We just worry about our own trajectory. But I find it interesting that large corporates tend to focus on what we're doing instead of worrying about what they're doing wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've lost Preston, but we've got one final question. As a mentor, what advice would you give to big thinking entrepreneurs in this current climate who are looking to make a change through innovative businesses?
2: Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you are. Give them something for it. The people that want the big fees are not the ones that are going to help you. It's the ones that are prepared because they don't need your money. So what I've always done is look for people more successful than me, more knowledgeable for me in their area. You just have to look at my advisory. And you'll see the type of people we have. No one gets paid to be on it. So for me, it's always singly about surrounding myself with really smart people that are subject matter experts, giving them a piece of what we do so they have the motivation and give them some ability to make a decision that doesn't just revolve around me. So I'm supposedly probably one of the best delegators. I believe in delegating to people that are better than I am in the areas I'm weak. And I have lots of weaknesses but I know what they are, and I'm, I'm pretty well sure that the people I bring around me are always going to give me better advice than I can give myself. So I think for me personally, that's the most important thing. If you were to ask Preston, and you know, he's been cut off the call, so he would say he is the subject matter expert on packaging, yeah. and he was the person that was able to to allow our team to work out what it is that drives a decision for a customer to make a, a purchasing decision on on packaging, and that was Preston. Peter Williams is a technology beyond genius. And Peter Williams is the guy that you'd go to on what's the best way to build the software, Mm -hmm. right? He's seen every type of build. And, you know, we're very agile. We, you know, we upload weekly updates, which I don't know any other company that does that. So it's all about surrounding yourself with smart people, which is what I've done my whole life, you know, and that's what makes a great entrepreneurial company. Not the money, because the money doesn't get you success. All it does is buys you, in the beginning, lots of people, but doesn't mean they're the right people to buy.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Philip, thank you for your time there. It's been great talking to you. Likewise, likewise. And, yeah, hopefully there's some great insights there for, well, myself and the readers. <laughs>
2: yeah, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Nice to have met you.
0: And you. Right. Okay, bye-bye. You Bye.
2: Bye.